Hey guys, do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent, am doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turnaround is about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show. Although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website, wearethecontrarians.com, and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link. Your voice is beautiful. Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name, of course, is Alex, as always, and I'm joined by my co-host, comrade, colleague, Julio. Julio, how are you doing this evening? I, I'm i full of childful joy. We're a bit close here. <laughs> well, don't betray our, our special arrangement. <laughs> That's uh, true. This they, is my suggestion. Yeah, Alex wanted to try a different way of recording. and uh... You are the Steve Zahn to my Ethan Embry right now. No, y'all are Holland notes tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're we're just a little close. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're here to wrap up to conclude our uh, female filmmaker story arc. We are here, as we've been speaking about for weeks, to visit Penny Marshall's Big from 1988. It's the big finale. Hey, you set it up that way, didn't you? Yes. Uh, and as been as has been tradition for the filmmaker story arc here, we are joined by another female guest of ours, uh, a friend of the podcast, and. Uh, blood relation to myself, <laughs> my sister Lillian. Lillian, how you doing? Hello, doing well, thank you. We saved the best for last. It's not that we ran out of female friends. <laughs> we actually saved the best for last. Yeah, uh, happy but, to be here. 
and we're happy to have you. Uh, again, big, of course, the Tom Hanks vehicle from 1988 stands at a towering 97% on the Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Um, we are here today to talk a lot about this movie that has not only very subversive overtones, but undertones as well. Yeah, it is. And once again, you know, okay, so we're recording and it's November 15th, 14th? 14th, about to be the 15th. 14th, and dude, this is like a minefield. We're watching this movie, and I'm taking notes, and I was like, how inappropriate is this going to be if something is revealed tomorrow in the news? (laughs) (laughs) So we will tread lightly, but remember the dates. So far, Tom Hanks has not been accused of anything. No. Uh, Elizabeth Perkins hasn't been accused of anything. No, Tom Hanks is... He's a perfect human. He's there's, the last bastion of there's humanity. There's no way. If he's ever accused of any malfeasance like that, then like all hope is gone. Okay, yeah. well, but he was still part of this to movie. To be fair, Kevin Spacey wasn't accused of anything before our Zero Dark Thirty <laughs> episode came out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll never but, live it down. Yeah. Certainly, Kinsey will never live it down. Um, all right, so 94%, that's a lot of... 97. 97, Jesus. I know. That's even worse. Mm. That's a lot of people, uh, and... We'll quote a few of them, starting with Keith Phipps from The Dissolve, who says, A funny, bittersweet film that opens as a cautionary tale about growing up too fast, but deepens into a movie about the unplumbable gulf between childhood and adulthood. Mm. So he really thought about it. Uh, Emmanuel Levy from EmmanuelLevy.com says, One of the best comedies about body switching. Big is charming and occasionally witty, with a splendid star-making performance by Tom Hanks. Would you say it's body switching? Because when I think body switching, I think of all those movies where the dad switches bodies with the kid. I'm more concerned with the occasionally witty. This movie is all wit. It's just that's what saves it is its whimsical dialogue. And it's just like it acts like nothing's ever wrong. Like it's it's full of wit. It should be called wit, not big. (laughs) His 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 wish at the Zalter is, I wish I were witty. <laughs> this movie happened. Uh, Scott Minola from Common Sense Media says, wonderful story with some mature material. Okay. He's, he's underplaying it. Uh, on their hand, Kevin Carr from 7M Pictures says, it touched me. Mm. And then he pointed what, at Was the- it Elizabeth Perkins? <laughs> uh, Steve Crumb from Kansas City, Kansan says fanciful tearjerker with Hanks in another diverse role. I wouldn't I don't think it works that well as a comedy, but I wouldn't call it a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. I think that no, it has some some scenes that really attack your heart. But. Watching it again now at an older age, I feel like it was more of a rom com type. Like it, it It really the romance <laughs> is up front more it, than yeah, I remember. Certainly. Uh and Finally, Desmond Ryan from the Philadelphia Inquirer says, Penny Marshall brings a logic to the premise that is sustained through most of the movie. And where the other movies snickered at the sexual possibilities in the idea, she faces up to them with both candor and taste. She definitely faces up to them. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about how how well she does. But big is the story of Josh Baskins, who in our opening, uh, opening act, excuse me, is played by David Moscow. Uh, right outside of New York City, the movie starts up with him playing the Cavern of the Evil Wizard, which as a kid, I always tried to find, but in my research for this, it was not a real game. Oh, really? Those damned adults. It was. gave you from the beginning. (laughs) Made made for the purposes of this movie. 
Uh, we quickly quickly are introduced to his best friend Billy. I forgot to write the kid's name down, but he's also in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. He has the pet ant that he names Auntie. Okay, uh, you know oh, this yeah. entire time I thought that it was Corey Feldman. No, no. Well, we're watching the movie, but you know, remembering the movie, I thought that the best friend was Corey played by Corey Feldman. Feldman. No, but I guess no. I was just getting confused with uh, Gremlins. This kid, I feel, was a lost treasure of the '80s. <laughs> like his performance in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, incredible. In this movie, he's like a quintessential role in this movie, and he's also the only grown-up and the only sympathetic character in the entire film. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that when uh, when Tom Hanks' wishes, uh, it, it, when it gets granted, he becomes a child trapped in the body of an adult, and for some reason the side effect is that his body becomes an adult trapped in the body of a child. <laughs> well, from like our understanding, Billy has no parents. so he, <laughs> No, exactly. He, he has to mature pretty quickly. Um, the first basic, uh, the conflict of the first act is that Josh is trying to wow Cynthia Benson, who is mm-hmm. the the hot girl in school and the super tall girl at school. Yeah, seriously, and Barbie doll. There's a affair, a carnival of some sort, and he tries to ride on a roller coaster and he can't do it. Um, it's okay. No, it's not just a fair, not just a carnival. I specifically remember watching this show, of course, when I was really young, a kid, and. Every time that carnival scene scared the shit out of me. It was just like so creepy and so ominous and like everything felt so awkward. Like I felt like it was a huge dose of like foreshadowing. Like it was just had a, it had a creepy feel to it for it me. It definitely looks like kind of place where you don't want to lose sight of your kid. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's the first thing. They just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> go play with the abandoned games <laughs> once yeah. you get rejected. Yeah, and then he finds this game called Zoltar, which is at the end of, for some reason, a large row of arcade games that are set up out in what looks to be at least a, a small drizzle. Right. It's, it's what they call a kidnap corner. <laughs> There's no lights. Well, the games are unplugged. Exactly. And this time I'm wondering, like, if does can anyone else see this machine? Like, is it more like of a ghost thing that's only calling to Josh because like watching it again it's not like anyone's paying any mind to it and it's separated far enough from everything that it's clearly not plugged into anything right oh yeah it's like right next to like the pier or whatever <laughs> there's not even an outlet uh but of course as you guessed it by the title of the film he he wishes to be big and Zoltar grants his wish uh he wakes up the next day and he is he is big he is Tom Hanks. He's not just big. He's Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, he's 1988 Tom Hanks. Uh, as you said, Alex, Chiseled. He's oh. cut. He is cut. He's, he's got his little, you know, his uh, fitting New York fro up top. <laughs> and um, he's very frightened, though. We do get an awesome moment, uh, moment of comedic acting when he's, like, reassessing himself in the mirror over and over again. Yeah, uh, somehow his underwear grew with him. <laughs> yeah, but is he freaked out enough? I mean, like, he, I mean, think about it. Think about the trauma that he would undergo as a 12-year-old boy, like, waking up in a body that wasn't his. Like, do you think he'd play it so cool to, like, trick his mother into thinking he just wasn't feeling well? I mean, th- like, think of how traumatizing that would be. He he definally... uh underreacts in my humble opinion. Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe he was just in shock, but... But not even... I mean, because uh, 
and this is my guess. If you ask Penny Marshall, it's like, isn't he taking it a little too well? And she'd be like, no, because he was playing computer games and fantasy games. He's, he was ready oh, for something right. crazy he to matured. happen in his life. Mm. No, but <laughs> I don't buy it. <laughs> right. Years and years later, nearly 20 years after this, uh, it would be about 15, excuse me, um, 13 going on 30 did a much better version of this in which it's not overnight they're transformed. She just wakes up in the future. Right. So, she she actually wakes up 30 years later. So to everyone else, it's right. But to her, she's confused by it. Which with this, it's Tom Hanks just like, well, I'm big now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess I'm just a, a a man now. And he freaks out. He takes off. He steals his dad's clothes. Um, and he goes to the only person he thinks that can sympathize or understand him, which is his friend Billy. Which, again... This movie's doing little to make us sympathize with Josh and more to sympathize with Billy. His entire classmates just start throwing basketballs at him and making fun of him. He's yeah. bullied. He is. And it's... Uh, I don't... There are two moments that actually felt real in the movie. And uh, one, of course, is a controversial moment that we'll talk about later. But the other one was this one. When Billy, because, again, he's smart, he knows that if... Uh, a grown man that you don't know corners you and starts screaming and starts screaming at you. That's bad news. <laughs> he starts crying and trying to escape. Uh, so that that felt that felt a lot more believable than Tom Hanks, you know, reacting so well to being an adult. Billy's reaction to seeing Tom Hanks trying to talk to him mm-hmm. uh, that was that was I bought that. And, yeah, and I mean it just. Like the pure innocence of the kid to like truly believe it's it's him, you know, and just like to have seemingly no worries about his appearance. He just says, "Damn, you look old," or something like that, and just accepts that it's him. All it takes is a song, really. (laughs) But it is a bit creepy, especially since (laughs) when Josh goes back to the house when he just panics. He's just like, "Fuck it, I'm terrified. I'm just gonna go see what my mom says." And it's just super dark because she's so terrified. And he just says, I'm your son, mom. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is so weird. And so, like. Shows her her, uh, his butt. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, it's, like, playful. And it's like, ah, it's still a PG movie. But, like, it's just. that was pulls a knife on her son. So off-putting. So off-putting. She thinks he's there to, like, rob the house. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's it's very off-putting. That's a good way of putting it. Um, so Billy comes up with the idea because again, apparently he has no parents and has had to raise himself. <laughs> he says, we'll go have you stay downtown and, you know, we'll figure something out. So they go down to downtown New York city and get Josh a shitty hotel room. Yeah, this is, the, it's crazy how the movie jumps between them being very naive and very just childlike and then them being incredibly resourceful, especially, I mean, Billy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, Surely. uh, on one hand he is, uh, naive enough to just buy that this is Josh, like right off the bat, like you know, like I said, with the song, all it takes is a song, and then but then, yeah, he's really navigating like the underbelly of, of Scorsese's New York. I mean, this is not not just a uh, oh, yeah, and he knows how to no sell hookers and drug dealers and just like walk right past them, <laughs> just waves them off, yeah, not today, not today. But he does, it brings you back to reality that he's a kid when he says, I gotta be home by 10. Right. But I mean, even when they get to the hotel, like the the host who um, gets them a room, like to the crazy guy, like speaking to himself, it, it reminded me of 
Jason Takes Manhattan, where at the end, the the director of the movie clearly despises New York City. <laughs> and this is very, very reminiscent um, of that in Big, in that, like, this director, Penny, is it? Penny Marshall? Doesn't oh, yeah. seem to really have a high opinion of New York City or, yeah, no, or its think, denizens. Uh, I think she's hashtag team suburbs. <laughs> every time you go to the city, bad things happen. Even when Very turn, bad yeah, things. Even when they're good, like they turn out to be bad. So the quest is on as they continue to look for Zoltar, where basically it just starts with them hopping from arcade to arcade. And then somehow Billy knows where to go in downtown New York to find all registers and sanctioning bodies. He goes to the oh, building yeah. that existed there before the internet existed. There was this building where Seriously, you just Seriously, they're ask 12. For... <laughs> how, did they, like, how did they know this? Uh, yeah, the New York City registry, they basically just go and they need a listing of all the arcades and fairs and... I don't know what. And in the end, it's not even a fair and arcade. They just <laughs> just the corner of this, this unplugged game that's yeah. in an abandoned park. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, you know, they got to pay the bills. So Josh has got to find a job. He ends up working at the Macmillan Toy Company. Macmillan, of course, played by the man himself, Robert Loggia. Mm. Robert Loggia trying trying his best to to bring some uh, dignity to this production. <laughs> <laughs> But Tom Hanks, uh, excuse me, Josh is staying downtown New York City at a shitty hotel working a job at Macmillan Toys. He gets a, a beginner's job at, uh, as a data entry agent, and he's working alongside Creepy John Lovitz, which there's no better John Lovitz than Creepy John Lovitz. Oh, man, no. I It's been years since I saw this. Totally forgot he was in it. Biggest pop of the movie for me <laughs> was seeing John Lovitz. Just such a delight always. Uh, reliable, Weasley John Lovitz. Mm. I can't think... I'm sure it's somewhere in his filmography, some role where he was not a weasel, but I can't think of it. So for a moment you see him, you know what to expect. And you're kind of hoping that he's going to teach this kid the ropes, but, but and, it's and not to be. he tries to, but yeah, right. it's not to be. So with the introduction of Macmillan Toys, Josh gets the job. Uh, we also are introduced to, for the second and third act of our movie, two of the most important characters, um, uh, as we mentioned, Mr. Macmillan, Robert Loggia, but then Susan, played by Elizabeth Perkins. And uh, character actor John Hurd, the dad from Home Alone, who is the, the villain, the heel of this film. So I don't remember when we were talking about Home Alone uh, last year. Uh, was it? Did we determine that this was his his breakout role? Like he being the bad guy in in uh, Big was the thing that put him on the map. It would have had to have been because the first Home Alone is what nineteen ninety. I think so, yeah. And this yeah. was 1988. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this would have been the had to. So, man, like two years, he just, you know, I don't think that that's where he expected his career to go. No, especially in this one, because he, he's playing the bad guy full tilt. He's, uh, what did they say? He's playing to the crowd. He's playing to the cheap seats. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's go back to Liz Perks. <laughs> I mean, I adored her in Weeds. But something about this performance just irks me. Like, she has a lot of character development, but at the same time, I feel like she just falls flat in most scenes. I think she she is... A, it's one of those instances, and this surprises me because it's a female filmmaker, but 
like we've said in other movies, she gets the thankless role because she's supposed to be the square that doesn't know how to have any fun. Mm-hmm. So that Tom not Hanks only that, the... <laughs> but the girl who's like blown her way to the top. Oh yeah, they literally. Um, no kidding. <laughs> like they... that's an overt. It's an it's an overtone. It's like yeah. she's basically banged everyone in that office and has no problem with it. Yeah, they could have just implied it, but then they actually say it out loud. They, in case you were wondering, yes, she did sleep her way to the top. What was it? I can't believe you brought up Golding. Golding. <laughs> yes. So Paul John Hurd is just the latest in a long line, and really quickly, it's implied that she's gonna move along to Baskins. Oh yeah. I mean, it's Tom Hanks looking nineteen eighty eight Tom Hanks. Um, and then in one of the more quizzical turns of the film. Josh decides the best idea will be to pose as his own kidnapper. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> and calls his mom and says, I have your son. He's got the kazoo in his mouth. <laughs> Don't you want to see your son? <laughs> this is, I think, when the guy was talking about Tear Jerker, uh, this is one of the scenes that he was probably thinking of because it really gets dark and not funny at all. And it's just, uh, just very disturbing because... If you're a mom, and I imagine parents brought their kids to watch this movie, if you're a mom, there's nothing funny about an adult man calling and telling you that he has your kid, but he'll bring him back mm-hmm. eventually right. once he And gets not even of... giving you a reason. Right, right. Yeah. He's okay. He's having a good time. <laughs> won't let you hear him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty... It's, that's a scene out of a thriller. Oh, it's disturbing. That's yeah. that's the type of scene you see in a trailer followed by Mel Gibson yelling at you to bring his family back. <laughs> Give me back my son! <laughs> uh, it's payday for Josh. Uh, he gets paid $187 and he couldn't be more thrilled about this. They go down and cash out the check and him and Billy basically do what two little kids would do. This is one of the more innocent scenes in the film. They just buy a bunch of junk food and silly string and they watch MTV late into the night. MTV, of course. <laughs> the other thing is, though, also, I, I wasn't too big of a fan of how that hotel just acted like it was uh, um, normal clientele for a creepy, out-of-place old man to come in with a young child, a no, young boy. I, it's totally... I, I mean, that is that—that that is the clientele. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then again, it was the 80s, man. Free love. <laughs> the only thing that surprised me is that they didn't charge... Uh, Tom Hanks, like an extra, you know, an extra hundred dollars, so I don't call it cops because you actually have a kid here. <laughs> right. Uh, the next day, next scene, whatever, where we're at in the the timeline of all this is at FAO Schwartz, where uh, Josh runs into Robert Loggia, and the easily the most famous and iconic scene of this film is they play Heart and Soul and Chopsticks on the the walk on piano. Uh, yeah, usually when people think of big, they think of. Uh, the sex scene, and they think of the piano scene. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's right. Well, I mean, I feel like the piano scene is just iconic of the past few decades of film. You know, it's just just a classic scene. Um, you know, watching it again though, I I felt like it was ugh so far from organic to make it like less cute the more you watch it. <laughs> Like, I mean, I guess as a kid, I thought it was extremely entertaining and charming. But now I'm just kind of like, that's so out of the realm of what I want to believe right now <laughs> oh, yeah. of like this movie. Watching, it's like, this would never happen. Never, would never. never. Happen. I mean, I'm starting to think it's happening in the old man's mind. <laughs> like, he's so old and, like, out of touch that he's just wishing that this was the case. Like, 
Uh, I think that you know Elizabeth Perkins might not be a, might not be the only one that has a crush on Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, because of this little stunt, though, you know something that lends lends credence, excuse me, to your uh, idea is because of this, he's promoted to the vice president of product development. I mean, that is, if Tom Hanks was a woman. How would you read that scene? <laughs> um, this is yeah. He promoted her because they played the piano together. No, come on. This is a another contention in my overall argument that this character is senile and not making rash decisions throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, I mean, maybe John Hurt is onto something because from the very beginning he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, the old man lost it. He That's doesn't know the thing. Hurt has the knowledge he knows what's going on could be a very serious argument made that when tom hanks ran into him it knocked it like it gave him a serious concussion (laughs) that was never diagnosed and so he was just not thinking straight the rest of the film he has like a blood clot in his brain that's just (laughs) slowly taking over and bringing the company down with him uh but i think that that's right Edible Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> you know those like, little pieces that you're not supposed to let three-year-olds play with? What if we just take that label out? <laughs> Triple your market. Uh, no, I think that my main problem uh, with the piano scene, though, is that kind of what we're saying, it just it's not just that it wouldn't happen, but that a PG movie that's watching by a bunch of kids is giving them the wrong idea of what the adult world is like. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, it's all a delusion anyway. Right. It's like you do not need higher education to become vice president of a toy company. (laughs) You just need to know. Seventh grade educational. Yeah, exactly. You're 12. Good. You know all you need to know. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even finish the piano lessons. (laughs) Three three years. And yet he can harmonize with a virtual stranger. Right. They sink. Uh, so Logie is impressed. The tension with Hurd is building as he doesn't understand who Josh Baskins is, where he came from. He thinks he's this fucking shark that came in to strip mine the company. Uh, we get, as we already mentioned, we couldn't wait to get to this point about Susan being a gold digger. Uh, they have the first meeting where Josh makes his first recommendation about a toy line, and they come out of it and... Um, I forget what John Hurd says, but like he says something to the effect of, do you see his face in there? And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's something <laughs> like that. Um, we get our montage of Josh, due to his new position, uh, has a much higher paying salary, gets an awesome apartment in downtown New York. Um, but also the voiceover of this is 12-year-old Josh writing his hostage letter to his, his family. Saying. Good Lord. Like, re-watching that, my notes here are all over the place. Like, come on, that was making a murderer type shit. It, it's a very uh, cruel way of letting his mom know that he's, that he's alive. It does not sync up with what we're watching. Right, right. It's like, it's all fun and games. Oh, not at all. If you've, If you're not... You know, if you're watching the movie a second time or if you're just a little older watching it for the first time, imagine all you can think of is this poor family that has no oh, idea yeah. while Tom Hanks is having fun. And he, but he's just become a total sociopath, <laughs> a sociopathic child. It's, a, it's the creepiest combination. And they even let me outside every <laughs> once in a while. Uh, horrible. There's a work party thrown by Macmillan Toy Company. Uh, we get one of the more comedic uh, wise known scenes of the film where Tom Hanks is trying to eat all the adult foods and having a really hard time with it. 
Um, With his white tux. Yes, and his bow tie that he tied himself, and that's why he was late to the party. <laughs> um, but this, but see, Loja like goes straight at him because he he walks in and everybody's kind of snickering at how he looks. And he walks right up to him, puts a firm grasp on his shoulder. That's what I call a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. Again, another sign of dementia. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, Susan, Elizabeth Perkins, this is where she basically gets the Terminator vision and zones in on Josh Baskins. And she basically says, all right, this is going to be my next get. Yeah, she she makes her move uh, while uh, John Hurt is just getting wasted uh, with his buddies. And just... <laughs> he is. It, what I love about this, though, is they keep cutting to him bitching about other competitors, but you have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> no, like, time. John Hurt is, is drunk as fuck in real life. Like he in that take, he was he was gone. Just, just improv, just to just say yeah, whatever. Exactly. No. There's been some movies that have done that. What was that movie with Anna Kendrick, Drinking Buddies, where like the la- when they were filming the last scene, they just had put real alcohol in everyone's and just everyone was getting shit faced. <laughs> and they're having real sex. Uh, also, at the end. yeah, John Wayne's entire career. <laughs> um, so Susan offers to take Josh home. And she tries to basically what I assume is her usual plan of attack on men. Oh, yeah. And just the opening up about how vulnerable I am. She even says at one point, I'm very vulnerable right now. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, uh, he's clearly never been in a limo before. Yeah, but see, this is a, I, I'm sorry, at 12, and I don't think that I was like particularly precautious, but at 12, <laughs> if I have an attractive woman talking to me, I'm not playing with the buttons. This is, again, the movie completely abandoning any pretense of being realistic. Honestly, um, being a teacher, like, that's my first grade kids, like, seven and eight-year-olds. Sure, absolutely. By the time you're 12, you have, like, a basic foundation of what's around you. I mean, like, you're not, like totally absent-minded all of the time. I mean... I mean, by now he's looked at her boobs a couple times in the movie. Exactly. Like when she drops the papers, he's looking down her cleavage. Exactly. Like, he's child, aware of that. you're not a toddler. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Which is why I feel like there's, like, so many, um, I don't know, sometimes it feels like a weird, like, childhood, like, fetish thing to me, now that I'm, like, thinking about it. But then again, I'm, like, just trying to dog it because it has such a high rating <laughs> on, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, but... Uh, so they agree to have a sleepover at Josh's place. We get the amazing comedic line of, are we going to have a sleepover? Okay, well, I get to be on top, and then you get to see it. Um, I got dibs on top. That might be, like, one of the greatest reaction shots <laughs> of the oh, 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Perkins' face. But then, no, but then I was thinking when he pulls that, like, when he drops his fists and he's like, pick one. I'd be like, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> like, it gets to, it gets kind of, he crosses some boundaries there for an adult woman to be okay with. Right, it's like uh, in the third season of Arrested Development, when uh, the first, like, I don't know, half of the season, uh, Jason Bateman is dating Charlize Theron, and in the second half, he finds out that she's actually, like, mentally challenged, mm-hmm. and, you know, everything that he thought yes. was cute about her, it's like, <laughs> oh, no, she's actually, like, a child, mm-hmm. and... Elizabeth Perkins has no excuse to not think that in no. this night. Exactly. That's uh, exactly you know, everything Tom Hanks does once they get to the apartment is just that's not right for a thirty-year-old man. It's not. That's not cute. Absolutely. That's just disturbing. Yeah. 
Like I would dig a trampoline in in the apartment. That would be cool. If it was foreplay, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, I totally agree with you. There, she had many signs that he was not developmentally on point. But she thought it was all cute. Yeah, I guess. Or was she just desperate enough to accept it? She's like, I don't care. There's a next step, the next rung on the ladder. <laughs> I'm gonna be VP. God damn it. <laughs> um, this leads to. Paul, seeing what's going on, wanting to get closer with Josh, trying to, you know, some male camaraderie, takes him for a game of, it's not racquetball. It's uh, it's same side tennis. Okay. Uh, uh. Uh, it's not wall ball. Whatever it is. It's... I put paddle ball? I don't even know. <laughs> There's a ball involved. It's yeah. John Hurd ball. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, never, it never took up. But how did this game come about exactly? I don't know. And this scene is so much shorter than I remembered it. Oh, it's very Yeah, it, it, it really, there's not, like, a lot of connective tissue. Basically, He comes he, to his office right, and he, like, like nods. Yeah. And he's Let's like, oh, here we go, playing paddle ball. And eventually what it does is it just deteriorates into a um, an excuse for John Hurd to punch Tom Hanks in the face. Yeah, but put yourself in John Hurd's shoes. I would be frustrated as hell. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, I was, the promotion I was looking forward to is given to this guy, then... He just basically steals the girl that I was I was hooking up with. Uh, I need to do something. I need to like release some some steam. And then once they're playing, Tom Hanks is being a little bitch about it. <laughs> it accuses him of cheating, and so because I mean, he's twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, but see, I, I guess my point is, I I do not blame John Hurt for not noticing that something's wrong with this guy, because mm. from John Hurt's point of view. He's just an asshole. He's just like a douchebag that came and, you know, everything is, is working out great for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others have no excuse. <laughs> Wait, is John Hurt's character's name John Hurt? No. <laughs> Might as well be. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Um, Paul? Paul, it's, it's something It's something incredible. deliciously late 80s. <laughs> yeah. Paul Jovi. Paul, Paul Jovi. <laughs> um... Paul MacArthur. <laughs> Paul Davenport. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good one. So it's Josh's birthday. Again, he is uh, away from his family for his birthday. Yeah, but harsh. Billy, again, the only adult of the film, organizes this big dinner and a surprise cake and, you know... Um, does everything he can for his best friend. It's How the, does he arrange this? I know. I, the connections this kid has. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, it's really, it's what, like, if it was Josh's dad instead of Billy, that would make perfect sense. It, would, it wouldn't be out of place. Yeah. Because right? he's there singing happy birthday with him. And you, it's uh, by far the most fascinating character in the movie. So Billy had further birthday plans for he and Josh. Uh, I believe beers and dirty magazines was what he was mentioning. But yep. Josh explains, well, I, I kind of got to go meet someone. And we learned it's a date with Susan. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess, I, I don't know, where did they go? Coney Island? No, it was Another seriously. <laughs> okay. You remember that episode of The Simpsons where they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land and there's the adult <laughs> part of the park? Yeah. It's like something island, Pleasure Island or something like that. That is where they transported to, I swear to God. It was basically just like, mostly, if you look in the background, mostly elderly people just like eating saltwater taffy and dancing to old tunes. Yeah, and then they go to the one uh, dance hall where it's New Year's Day every 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, They walk past 
Zoltar. Do they? It, yeah, yeah, they do. Oh. They and, just... I don't blame you for missing it because the movie doesn't make a big deal out of it. Like, no, I... not at all. And it's not like even an anonymous tone plays. Or right? Anything. No, it's just... it's just like in the background. Because I remember thinking, as uh, it's clear that that Tom Hanks is having a great time, and uh, he just ditched his best friend to be with a girl. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you know he turned thirteen, and magically that's when the hormones k- kicked him. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then I'm thinking, you know. Beep, beep. A good movie would make him decide now that, you know, put the decision, put the option of Zolter right in front of him mm-hmm. and have him decide, no, because I want to get laid, uh-huh. right? That's but they don't do that. And well, then that would be literally within a five minutes of the part where he goes, I have to tell you something. And then he right, right. pussies out. But instead, they just walk past it and they never see it, which is a wasted opportunity. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Very. So... As a lot of dates do when you are 30, not necessarily 13, <laughs> but it lends itself to some physical romance. <laughs> All right, let, let's yeah, talk about this. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say romance. It's, I mean, if you take away the creepy part of it, though, it's just, I don't, I don't think it tracks. And I think that this is where you can see at its most clearly, like the movie's biggest problem, which is that it's an adult woman making a movie about a teenage boy mm-hmm. and that it does not I, a teenage behave. boy with an adult woman like sexually right but i guess he's a i don't buy him as a teenage boy he's uh, as a teenage boy he's just uh too shy, like at 13 like even at 12 you know it's like i think that Okay, so he stopped playing with the limo buttons, but he's yeah. still kind of. I don't it know, hasn't he... been that long since this transformation <laughs> took place, has it? Right, like, it's been like a, a couple week? months, or <laughs> I, even... I was thinking a couple months, and that's like a short period of time for him to just totally like grow up and well, like I know become an adult. It hasn't been three months because. Uh, at some point, Billy says that he's three months older than him, and we never saw Billy's birthday. So I believe the time frame oh, they put on okay. it was about six to eight weeks. Right? Because <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah. they say that is such a short period of time for him to just like miraculously like know how to be an adult and but like I don't know. Let's just let's quit kneading the bread here and put it in the oven. <laughs> Elizabeth Perkins has sex with a thirteen-year-old. All right. Yeah, and it's a okay. Fresh thirteen-year-old. Back to what you were saying. Like the signs are there, girl. Like you've <laughs> been with many men. You she th- has to, at the very least, she yeah. has to think this is his first time. Exactly. <laughs> That's the very exactly. Least. Uh, but but having said that. I will say the first kiss they have, that's a very adult kiss. <laughs> like for a 13 year old, I was, you know, I yeah. was impressed. Like it was more of an embrace than a, than a peck. Yeah. And so maybe something about coming into this man's body gave him more confidence <laughs> or like, and maybe she's clearly smitten with them. Cause the one line she has when John Hurt asks, you know, what's different about him? She says, he's a grown up. Right. <laughs> but, no, I think uh, uh, here's. I think that it's easy to pick at big for that one scene, and I actually think that that was, like I said, that's the other scene that actually feels realistic mm-hmm. to me, and it feels realistic uh, uh, because Josh's depic- the depiction of Josh as a teenager finally uh, uh, rings through in the sense that if you're a thirteen year old 
and you had the chance to have sex with an adult woman that looks like Elizabeth Perkins, mm -hmm. you would do it. Sure. Or so, just Elizabeth Perkins. <laughs> yes. yes. Or Elizabeth. <laughs> well, but in the realm of like being realistic. Oh, okay. No, I'm not saying that that's correct. Oh, that okay. would like fuck you up for life. But, you know, it's like, oh, that's the part of the movie that I actually buy. But everything else that's happening around it is just very like a fairy tale that doesn't track with that part. Right. Because yeah. the next day he becomes serious businessman. Oh, right. yeah. All it takes, so all it takes for him to get horny is turn 13. And mm -hmm. all it takes for him to become like an a adult man is having sex. Exactly. So at this point, Josh turns into a work machine. And that's all he knows. Um, Billy eventually receives the listing of where the Zoltar machine is. He gets the, the email with the results <laughs> of his search engine. Just the regular mail. And shows up at the office, but Josh is way too occupied with his work to really care about it. Um, and this is where, that's why I asked, I wonder what the Oscar clip was, because this definitely would have been an Oscar clip when they get into their, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? But there'll be an Oscar clip for Billy. That's true. Oh, yeah. Because Josh, I, I mean, I don't... Tom Hanks. Unfortunately, just... Billy wasn't nominated that year. But... Unfortunately. Um, he was there to provide support. That's what supporting <laughs> actors sure do. You hear that, John Hurd? <laughs> <laughs> Going into business for yourself there, Hurd. Um... Josh, you know, at this point, Billy puts him in his place. Says, you know, I know you're still just a kid. And I'm older than you are. This is, you know, I'm trying to help you type of thing. And it sends Josh into this tailspin. And it's uh, punctuated with him beating the game. The the uh, Cavern of the Evil Wizard. Right. Where he realizes, you know, okay, I can do this now. I need to, you know, come clean about what's going on in my life. Um, and he does come clean to Elizabeth Perkins, but of course, much like every other character in the film, has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Right. How how does Elizabeth Perkins, who is the one that has the most access to him, right, mm -hmm. somehow still hasn't been able to connect the dots, and now when he's actually connecting the dots for her, she mm -hmm. still denies it. Right. <laughs> Doesn't get it. Yep. Um, and again, going back to Billy being the most interesting and most developed character in the movie, and the only fucking adult in the movie... He has the conversation with Josh's mom about how much she misses him. And he realizes, you know, fuck him, but I'm still going to do the right thing. He takes the address down to him for Zoltar. Yeah, there's like a complete uh, movie is, that's... Yeah, th there's a different movie that's happening while Big is happening, which is the, the serious, gritty drama of uh, uh, Josh's parents trying to get by with not knowing... Uh, where your son is. And every now and then you get glimpses of that movie. And I think that's the last time you see that movie, which is when they have that conversation, Billy mm. and the mom. Mm. Uh, which is just so, like, off-putting in a comedy. <laughs> it's just, right. It's like, weren't we just having fun? Yeah. <laughs> having, like, Tom Hanks, like, have sex and yeah. party. And, and you know, right. It goes back and forth. Pizza his mouth. <laughs> right. um, so he comes down, gives the address... And Josh, this was the same scene where he was going to give an important presentation at work. Uh, him and Elizabeth Perkins are on the outskirts. And he's standing there in his meeting and realizes this isn't for him. So he takes off and he's going to go find the Zoltar machine. Billy, again, not really sure where his parents are, where he gets his money, but he's just buying a hot dog from a vendor <laughs> in downtown Manhattan. Uh, sees Josh take off. Elizabeth Perkins comes up, identifies herself as his girlfriend, and uh, Billy's reaction here is great. Eyes are up and down, and hey. <laughs> <laughs> does he introduce himself right after? Like, yeah, then he introduces himself, yeah. Billy Capecchi. <laughs> yeah, Billy Capecchi. Uh, before we get to the ending, 
John Hurt's last line, his last moment, uh, it just made me laugh and not for the reason that's intended. It's supposed to be like a big moment, right? Uh, uh, Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins are pitching an interactive comic book. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the idea is that you buy the comic book and it comes with a chip, a disc, and that provides you. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. comic version. And... Uh, and then you can, you know, when you're done with all the adventures, you just buy a new chip and put it there and whatever. And uh, Tom Hanks takes off because he has his panic attack. And then John Hurt's like, how much is this going to cost? And Elizabeth Perkins is oh, like, yeah. oh, you know, it'd be like $9 for the for the, for every new chip. And the, the overall comic book would be like 20 bucks. Mm. And John Hurt goes like, what child has $20 to spend? <laughs> I was like. Kids don't buy their own toys. Parents <laughs> right, buy their toys. Exactly. So how is this a point? That, that doesn't yeah. like... Direct cut to Billy buying a hot dog from a vendor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Josh knows where Zoltar is. He goes to it. And again, it's like on a fucking uh, ravine somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And what I love about it is he walks up to it and unplugs it before he really starts to fuck with it. He's been paying attention to the movie. Because he knows it's magic. And then Elizabeth Perkins pulls up, and there's no in-between here. What happens is <laughs> he starts playing with the machine, she pulls up, and then it cuts back to him violently shaking and yelling at the machine. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it does pretty much what it did the first time. And uh, it, it's another... Well, by now, the movie, I think, has abandoned any idea of being a comedy because the oh, soundtrack yeah. is just like a thriller where Elizabeth Perkins is racing to prevent the crime. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then she gets there and Hank's already made his wish. And, and now we're just in downer mode. And it's but just... it's like, why does she want to prevent that? Like, if she finally realizes that he is a child, that's like... That so, is, it's a little odd. She should be driving the opposite way. <laughs> exactly. Like, she should be like, the, oh, shit. To the police station to turn herself in. Exactly. <laughs> to the Canadian border. She shouldn't be like, I need to stop that boy. Yeah, she uh, Yeah, she seems really bummed when she finds out that he, he made the wish and the wish is going to come true. Exactly. And uh, when really, you're right. She should just be like, all right, well, things will be as they're supposed to. We will never speak of this again. Yes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> here's money for a cab and, yeah. uh, but he also Tom Hanks did learn something in his six weeks as an adult as to how to let a woman down easy <laughs> <laughs> where he, he says you know I have so many reasons to go back and only one to stay well what is it well it's you and he, he's done she's gonna remember him forever now absolutely and then you know they embrace and she asks what are you 15, 16 and then she, he says I'm 13 and we have to get our last like jab at <laughs> puberty in the way because she says, "Oh, well, that explains it." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then, uh, as we fade to black before the final scene, uh, she encourages him to keep her number. Yeah, she's like, "In ten years, in ten years, he'll be twenty-three, and she'll be like, I don't know, in her forties, yeah. right? They have a future. Yeah, they have, you know. Except that by then, ten years later." Josh is completely fucked by his experiences. No, exactly. He's traumatized, yeah. never got over it. You do you think he's gonna be able to date a teenage girl now? No. no. He's he's never. tasted the forbidden fruit and now that's there's no regular love life. No for him. woman at his level will be able to live up to the 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 expectation that Susan has set here. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but also I think that this is just like the final this was the last chance for Susan, for Elizabeth Perkins, to redeem herself or to prove her character. Mm -hmm. And much like uh, we were talking about Tom Hanks underplaying 
uh, when Josh finds out that he looks like Tom Hanks now. I think that <laughs> when she hears that he's 13, it does not hit her that hard. No. <laughs> no, she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. I had sex with a 13-year-old. Yeah. She should have that, like, eyes widening and then slowly <laughs> backing away to look at the person. Exactly. She know. should have had the panic attack there. <laughs> Just like, she should have gone. Oh, God. <laughs> the Dyson from T2. <laughs> Uh, but yeah she takes him back home Uh, she turns away for one second while he's walking back to his house and then he goes back to uh, David Moscow in a very large suit and then he goes back home and he looks like Charlie Chaplin (laughs) the camera is like tilting up and he has the oversized clothes but and he I, turns I around just, with the two potatoes. <laughs> but the the facial expressions and the the emotions that Elizabeth Perkins goes through in, in this like <laughs> ten seconds is incredible. <laughs> because first, okay, she looks up and she sees that he's a child again, and she's just got this wonderment, kind of wide eyed mouth, mouth slightly agape. And then he he gives her this charming little smile, and then it cuts back to her, and then she kind of turns into this grin, like, "Yeah, we we did that." <laughs> and then it's like, "See you later." And he's like, "Mom, I'm home." Like it's just this very, very, um, yeah, very. It's not wholesome at all. Not wholesome at all. That's not yes. PG material. <laughs> Penny Marshall's snuck one past the uh, MPAA there. Yes. <laughs> got away with, with all of we've discussed, got away with a PG rating. Yeah. I know, I can't believe that. Fuck included. Yeah. Billy got to say fuck once. Yeah. Well, Billy's a, a man. Right. As, <laughs> as if to leave no doubt who the adult was in the exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah. Not even John Hurd got exactly. the curse in this movie. Not even drunk John Hurd. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, I think we very tastefully <laughs> skirted around uh, the potential pedophilia jokes. Um, yeah, Given the time frame, yes, we, yes. we did our best. Uh, but it's time for real talk. Let's move along to real talk. I can be painful, but that's what they invented Xanax for, right? <laughs> Watch your step. Thank you. I'm not sure we should do this yet. To what? Well, I mean, I like you, and uh, I want to spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I get to be on top. Okay, real talk. Real talk for Big. So, Big, the conclusion to our big, grandiose female filmmaker's arc. Of course, as we mentioned, directed by Penny Marshall. Stands at a towering 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just get through the regulars. Was released June 3rd, 1988. Had an estimated budget of $18 million, Made just around $152 million, So, definitely, you know, pushed through what they were wanting. Uh, in my research, the most interesting tidbits I found out were, one, Penny Marshall was the first female director in history to gross a movie over $100 million. So, go Penny Marshall. 
Hmm. Uh, Tom Hanks was always the original choice, but there were some scheduling conflicts that got in the way uh, to the point where Robert De Niro was attached to the project. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're fucking What? Nope. <laughs> nope. His salary demands were too high, though. He wanted $6 million to do well, the Well, how? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I would pay so much to see that happen. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, when Tom Hanks couldn't do it, Penny Marshall wanted John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm big. <laughs> Sandy, I'm big. <laughs> <laughs> but keep in mind, this was 1988 when he was, quote, box office poison at the time. Ooh. Travolta? Yes. Okay. And De Niro was, like, what, fresh off? Wait, what year was he box office poison? Travolta? Yeah. 1988, no one would touch him. What year did Urban Cowboy come out? That was like 79 or 80. Was it? Yeah. Okay, okay. There was a, st- gonna... a stretch of time where no one would touch him because he kept making all these horrible projects until Pulp Fiction, and that was like his massive comeback. It's 94. Yeah. I guess I didn't know that. Um, now, more importantly than any of that, <laughs> beyond discussions and anything, there apparently... Gary Busey auditioned for the role. Jesus. There somewhere is a tape of Gary Busey auditioning as Josh Baskins. Oh my that god. That would be a terrifying sex scene. <laughs> when he just turns the lights back on, he's got his big horse teeth out there. No, I, I could see Gary Busey in the John Hurt part if Robert De Niro was playing the Tom Hanks part. <laughs> And Elizabeth Perkins just looks repulsed to be there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then again, closing out here, as I said, I knew there was word that the, an alternate ending was filmed for it. And the more research I did into it, it turns out that this is just an urban legend. So as IMDb mm-hmm. phrases it, some believe that a home video release of this movie in New Zealand included an alternate ending. The alternate ending allegedly shows young Josh Baskin sitting in a classroom at school when he turns around to notice a young female classmate whom he recognizes as Susan, who went back to the fairgrounds machine and wished that she was Josh's age. Some claim that this version is also seen on the Latin American television, the Book of Lists, Canadian edition, and the two fi- uh, 2005 includes the account during a test screening, an additional scene was included at the end in which Josh is back at school and a new girl named Susan arrives. The implication is that Susan used the time machine to make herself young to grow up with Josh. Due to audience feedback, the scene was cut. And so the movie ends with Josh going back home. So the audience feedback was like, no, that's gross. Or or was the audience feedback just like, no, we like a sad ending? What was it? I mean, I'll be... Yeah, is that they didn't care for it or is that they were offended by it? Oh, it doesn't say. I remember thinking... what do you think? I would think it kind of defeats the purpose of the movie, and it also shows just how fucking damaged Susan is. Seriously. I mean, it's a great moment when she says why she wouldn't do it, because she's like, I already did it once, and it sucked enough the first time. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and it's not her movie, so really, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, it's it's about... It's Josh's, it's Josh's journey. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the Susan stuff is, I mean... It's funny and it's cool and everything, but it's not. The whole idea is he wants to be funny? an adult. I, I think she it's, is funny. It's uh, witty. As, <laughs> I, as we said in the beginning, it's witty. It, yeah, okay. I know anyway, I laughed a couple on, times. I know I laughed a couple but I can't 
remember when. Well, her reactions. Like, I really like her. Oh, yeah. Her reaction to when he eats the caviar is right. spot on. Right. And she's just on. looking around. Like, spot <laughs> trying, on. Trying not to be embarrassed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, the, the idea is just that, oh, it's about Josh wanting to be an adult, being disappointed by being an adult, and deciding that maybe he doesn't want to rush into that. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, uh, uh, you know, go back to his family and grow up the normal way. Uh if you add Susan going back as a kid, I mean, I guess as a love story, it kind of works in a twisted way. But it also eliminates his ability to embrace his youth. Right. Because now you have Right, this because adult. now he's jaded no matter what. <laughs> well. That's that, like, girl Susan, but with adult Susan's mind, would just... It's dangerous. Right. She would just destroy that high school. She already knows how to play men for what she wants. She would get between Billy and uh, and Josh. It would just... It would be a mess. He's got a bigger dick than you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so before we get into it, because I think our sentiments are going to be the same, who actually disliked this movie? I no think, one. No, I, I liked it. Everybody I, likes it. No, but no I meant in terms of, of critics. Oh, who oh, like, oh, I thought you were asking us. No, I'm yeah. like, okay. everybody likes big. Come on. Okay, so there's one. I found one negative quote, and then but I picked two positive ones that are actually negative. You got the compel salts. Yeah. So uh, David Nusser from Real Film Reviews says, an agreeable yet unremarkable piece of work. Mm. David agreeable? Nusser probably, <laughs> yeah. He probably ended his, his review with going like, like, 10 years from now, nobody will know what this movie was. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Tom Hanks? Uh, Ken Hankey from Mountain Express, Asheville, North Carolina, says, Treakly comedy that really isn't that hot. Then he was disappointed that the sex scene didn't go any further. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the actual negative quote, uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum from Chicago Reader says, As far as the movie's message is considered, if only grown-ups could be more like kids, Jerry Lewis did an infinitely better job of plugging it in the 50s. Mm. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen enough Jerry Lewis movies. Um, oh, Jerry Lewis is the man. My nutty professor is uh, is black. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, um, okay. 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 So, so I I get the feeling that Lily liked it the least out of the three of us. Oh no no no! It's it's just that it. As I said, it had been years since I've seen it, and having watched it. Many times when I was a kid, I felt like I just I was just attached to the like the silliness of it. And Tom Hanks is just so undeniably charming, like no matter yep. what age you are. But now, like watching it as a um, desensitized adult, <laughs> it's just kind of at moments it's more awkward than I'd like to, you know, admit, like because it is such a classic movie from my childhood and it's not that i dislike it it's just there there are glaring poke holes exactly there are glaring um issues right you can like if you want to you can really get hung up on certain things oh yeah but you don't want to because you're having so much fun and Mm -hmm. tom hanks is so good and everybody's so good Uh, like the fact that loja has <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like wish fulfillment in for most of it. Where mm-hmm. you know, it it doesn't make sense, but Tom Hanks is having a good time, and we're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right, right. Uh, I I really like when it was over. 
and I I love it. But when it was over, I was like, okay, reverse the genders. And I know they kind of did it with uh, 13 going on 30. Mm. But, but again, yeah, she's they, not, it's yeah. in the future. Right, right. right. The 13 going on 30 moves around. But um, if you reverse the genders, it would be a thousand times more uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. Because if you had Tom Hanks as an adult taking advantage or getting in a relationship with that teenage girl in the body of Elizabeth Perkins. But not just that, but then at the end, finding out, showing no remorse for right. it. Right. Exactly. You'd be like, yeah, exactly. you are a creep. Mm-hmm. And then he gives the smile at the end that Elizabeth Perkins gives, which yeah. is in the car. You, right, that would be but it's this, chilling. It's this bizarre double standard that's like, you know, still evident mm-hmm. and that boys just like, you know are men one day like it just kind of like <laughs> happens whereas like there has to be some sort of sequence of events for a girl to become a woman but it's just like the the line between boyhood and manhood is so blurred that it's just like kind of acceptable and almost like celebratory right. for for a young boy to, you know, have sex at a at an early age, whereas it's extremely taboo for the for a girl. But do so. you think that it would fly today? Like could you make big today no. with that scene? No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Do would... Oh come on, of course not. Like people are way too sensitive. And let's put this on the table. This is a, a great like especially from my childhood a great movie oh it's an yeah it's it's it's, it's funny it's a classic and yeah i mean there's things like that a lot of it and that, it's and its intention is lighthearted. yeah a lot yeah. of the things that don't age well are just due to societal advances in terms of exactly. desensitization and our hang-ups and our hang-ups yeah. yeah um because in the end elizabeth perkins thing is not you know, for all our joking aside, it's not like, hey, yeah, I fucked you. It's like, oh, I actually like <laughs> fell in love with this thirteen-year-old kid. Right, right, it's right. More as of a... improbable as it sounds, the movie's intent is not anything bad. Exactly. Right, but I think that much like we joked in uh, Contrarian's Corner, there is a darker, infinitely more complex movie lurking with like Billy? around it. <laughs> well, with Billy, with the parents, with Elizabeth Perkins, uh, even with Logic. Like you know, as far as like what make if you stop and think about it. What makes these characters act the way they do? And how are they right. irrevocably irrevocably changed by what happens in this movie? Not, I mean, Bill, uh, Josh's parents, they're never going to let him out of sight again. No. Oh, That's, exactly. You know, and, and uh, Elizabeth Perkins, she's going to have to go to therapy and, and don't even get me started it's, on Josh. I yeah. mean, you know, that's just... Billy... But I feel Billy is Billy just... Billy will be okay. Billy is just like... He's the, this far. He's yeah. just... He's just the story... Of how Joe Pesci came to be. <laughs> like, he's just basically just this rags to riches story waiting, to, ha- waiting to happen. From what I read, there is an extended cut. Uh, for the purposes of our podcast here, we typically, with the exception of Empire Records, try to keep it to the theatrical cut. Um, but apparently the extended cut, the majority of what was cut out was what involved Billy's mom. <laughs> and it's just like... Is Billy's mom in it at all? We, no, we'd never see her. No, right, the, right, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like at this point, we're just led to believe he, you know, steals money and does all. <laughs> He's this a street shit. rat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Josh's dad—you see him once, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when he writes, he's writing 
No, no, he writes to well, both. It's just the ages. The men worked and the women oh, yeah. stayed in the kitchen. That's right. so. He was busy working. She, Her job was to take care of the kid, and she blew it. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I did read, uh, just getting back to the positives, and because there is a lot of iconic stuff in this film, um, Robert Loggia and Tom Hanks, the famous scene at F.A.O. Schwartz, the piano scene, the story goes that they showed up and saw multiple cameras set up, and they saw their stuntmen, and they said, no. <laughs> they said, we're going to do this. That's cool. And made sure that they nailed it and got like their scene. So like that actual stagnant shot, that hard cam of them is legit. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Even if, because I had just assumed that they added the sound later. Mm-hmm. It was like, right? in my mind, I'm being just cynical and saying, there's no way that they hit the right notes every time. So they just hit whatever and then they added the sound effects mm-hmm. to make it sound like even if that was the case it's still pretty impressive yeah yeah uh, I am because in the end I really care about them hitting the right notes just like the joy in Robert Lodge's face as he's doing it and mm-hmm. how he starts to loosen up and well like Tom Hanks is just being pretty casual about it because he's not thinking about it he's just yeah. a kid you know it's right. yeah I really love that scene uh I, this is probably the most I've liked it in all the times I've seen it. You know, I think the older you get, the more you like it. Exactly, because yeah. it's been so long since I've seen it. It really hit some hard strength. So a couple points to hit yeah. uh, before we move any further, as it were. Uh, Tom Hanks, of course, was nominated for Best Actor. Tom Hanks, say what you will about the subject material, but my God, he nails it out of the park in this movie. Oh my yes. God, incredible. Yeah. Even like down to when he first starts working and the way that he sits in his chair. <laughs> like he sits on his knees. Yes. Like it's just like he, he nails it for sure. Like he's incredible. He, uh, like I said, my favorite scene in it is when they're at the fair and he tells uh, Elizabeth Perkins she has a glob of mustard on him just because of how childlike he acts. Because if you're a guy on a date like that, you're going to try just, to... Yeah. Right. But he is, like, almost in disgust, cowering away from her, <laughs> saying, you know, you've got this... And then she's like, that. get it? He goes, no, not really. <laughs> uh, but to me, the winner in that scene is Elizabeth Perkins, because she looks so embarrassed by the whole thing when it's over. When she finally gets it, and they have this beat where nobody says anything, and she looks down, and she's like... God, that was dumb. <laughs> so that was, I, I I really, she gets to play probably, I mean, yeah, Billy steals the movie, but I think that she probably has a more complex character to play because she, like we were saying earlier, she's not supposed to be fun, right? right. And she's also not even supposed to be sympathetic because at first you're like, you're, you're just assuming that she's out to get him just to move forward mm-hmm. in the company. Uh, and the fact that by the end of the movie, you feel bad for her. That's another trope that you can't use in movies today, really. Right. Is the woman sleeping her way to the top. Yeah. Just... Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> I think that it's been no. overdone. But well, No, exactly. My point is, though, for the purposes of this movie, it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh... And also, I mean, you could be well... like the trope of like John Hurt it being an asshole. Because, it works because she undergoes a change yeah it's not like she it it ends the movie with her going back to hoeing yeah it works because she realizes what she was doing is wrong and like she's found what she's or not wrong just like not meaningful yeah it wasn't fulfilling exactly Uh, but also i found it very refreshing that she cops to it you know i think that that's also something that made me like her even more was just that when john hurt tries to shame her she's just like 
Yeah, fuck but you. This, fuck you. This right. is different, though. But I can't you believe I'm Golding. <laughs> I want to know who Golding is. Is that adult Billy? Oh. <laughs> oh, maybe it's John Lovitz. Uh, oh. Okay. We've, we've gone too far without praising the work of John Lovitz. Not enough John Lovitz. Dude. Oh, yeah. That was my, my uh, most important grievance. Not enough John Lovitz. He kind of disappears after the party. You see him a couple times in the office. You see him dancing. Yeah, but his dancing moves at the party. Yeah. Much like every role he had on The Simpsons, it's brief and thankless. (laughs) (laughs) He's there. He's like a slime ball or a creep, but only John Lovitz could pull that off. And that is another one of those um, childlike moment scenes where, because Tom Hanks is still, you know, a twelve-year-old. When John Lovitz says, "See her over there." She'll wrap your her legs around you so tight you'll be breathing for air. Okay, I'll stay away from her. <laughs> Genius. Um, other points I wanted to hit on: not a movie that will age well in generations after ours because literally a lot of the movie could be solved with the internet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think that they, they, at least they make sure you know this is the past. Uh, but I mean, back then it was the present. But the fact that they opened with a really old video game. Mm-hmm should give you a hint that, you know, oh, that's not an Xbox. What is that? <laughs> and it's like, oh, so there's no internet. There's no yeah. cell phones. And I mean... But, but, there was the side of the milk carton oh, yeah. um, that said Josh or Joshua Baskin. And I don't know. That just kind of irked me because something inside me feels like there would be law and order type detectives that would come to question the Tom Hanks, Josh Baskin and be like, you came out of nowhere, buddy. And then this kid just went missing. Anyway, I know that's a diet, like a, oh, a tangential dude, diatribe, see, but I, I think that's like, if they'd been there for a little longer, just a fan fiction have, thing, they could have like caught up to him. I, right, I hadn't even thought exactly, about the fact that, that he exactly. gave his real name. I yeah. didn't even think about it. And like, Somebody would, I don't know. Anyway. Well, it was a, a ticking time. That's neither here nor there. Well, at some point, they have to figure out that that's There's not. a lot of people in New York, too. And no, his social but, security so number. His social security number is fake. Yeah. So, <laughs> eventually, they were 12. Uh, now, if this Did was happening now. Every day. <laughs> uh, in the age of the internet, I think that maybe the cops would be like, let's Google this kid's name, and then Tom Hanks shows up. Or like even John Hurt's character was so curious and so suspicious. Right. Like if if he had had like, you know, just a decades more technology, <laughs> he would have busted him and it would have been a really weird... And that's the thing with Josh too, it's... At some point in the movie, I was thinking, like, well, just take a blood test, but he's not old enough to comprehend that type of thought. Right, right. right. So, yeah, so may not age well in terms of things we can poke holes in, but third, you know, if we can end it on a high note in terms of... The sentiment doesn't age. Yeah. John Hurd, you know... (laughs) Let's just, yeah, toast a toast Deserving of the Embry in in our fourth year here. He he goes for it. Uh, He, I think... Oh, like, uh, Ethan Embry? Ethan Embry. Is yeah. this an award? We have an yeah. award on the podcast known as the Embry that goes to... Uh, it's named after Ethan Embry's performance in Empire Records <laughs> to where someone just absolutely goes for it. A hungry actor or actress that just <laughs> recognizes that they have... John Hurd. Yeah, exactly. They have a role there that could benefit from their energy. And uh, this go. is John Hurd saying, this is my chance to make a mark. There we uh, 
he he really gives it all and every every when he comes scene, out of that meeting so mad i don't get it i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> and then he asks that in the yeah the way that he raises his hand yeah. like Tom hangs did and asks and then he looks off and then uh, i don't get it <laughs> uh yeah he's really good. also i forgot to mention it earlier uh the kid that they found to play josh before he becomes Tom hanks he looks like a young version of Tom Everett Scott, who himself looks like a young version of Tom Hanks. Tom Everett Scott. Is that the, the drummer in that, that Thing You Do? Yeah. Man, yeah. I was thinking that, but yeah. I didn't know his name. So it's like one more link in the chain of uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks genes somehow. Like this kid, Tom Everett Scott, Tom Hanks. Interesting. So if we got medium, it would have been him in high school and it was Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, you know... All joking aside, if you want to analyze a lot of older movies, I mean, if you want to go back to Gone with the Wind, I, they still have slaves in that movie. Oh, yeah. So it's one of those things of, there's a lot of things you can go back in time and poke holes in and whatnot, but, I mean, big, I hate to compare it to that because there's nothing as like heavy as slavery involved in the movie. But. Well, I think hey, you, well. I think you, I think you um, bring up a good point because, you know, um, the reason we've become a little more sensitive to this this storyline is because of all the fucked up shit that's happened and like and you know fucking 30 years later it's like yeah we don't want to joke about that stuff because it happens you know and like but that's i guess that's the the beautiful thing about big is that like it's kind of like this time capsule of innocence and like as much as we want to um you know, push our our current views of like um, relationships with men and women and everything. It's just like it was just so different then. And like, even though it seems like a, a short period of time ago, it's like the standards were just I don't know in a totally different place. Agreed. Yeah, I think that you can. I mean, you can watch it, and you might not even you don't even need to give the disclaimer of you know. This was a different time. I mean, it's sure, clearly sure. a different time. <laughs> and it's not even like an esoteric thing. It's just like, yeah, this was 30 years ago, and like a lot's happened since then. Some of it good, most of it bad, you know? And so it's going to like shape the way that you like perceive the story. I just feel lucky that I saw it when I was a kid and have so many like fond memories of it and like feel a very lighthearted attachment to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, definitely that is. Amazing that Penny Marshall like became you know the first woman to have a uh, hundred million. A hundred million. That's great. I mean, it's yeah. definitely well deserved. Uh, she, the the story moves so fast too. That was the other thing I noticed. Yeah, it's just like boom, boom. It doesn't really stop. And it, it's giving you all yeah. the character development and everything, but it's just it I mean, scaffolds in rigor. <laughs> like it just gets harder and harder as it goes on. But it's because uh, <laughs> trust me, we've. We've watched the rushed and the drawn out on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. This somehow finds a sweet spot where if it were any longer, any shorter, it couldn't have accomplished what it did in that time frame. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and I was bummed when it got, I recognized when he left the, the meeting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the end. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just, it's but good. But then again, it, that was so well. real. That was so real. Like, think about, like, a, a, a child making that decision. Mm -hmm. Like, that's God. what they're going to do. It they're going to so just drop what they're doing and be like, nah, 
Nah, it's like a fight or flight situation, and you know. Tom Hanks is brilliant in that scene because he looks at every person in the meeting yeah. and then just like gets up and leaves. Right, and that's what children do, and they don't feel safe in a situation. They just they have to find an exit. Yeah, and I, I mean, can't overstate enough. I, I was almost like offended when I was doing the research, and Tom Hanks has only been nominated for five Oscars. <laughs> Blasphemous. Only five Oscars. I, well, he's only won two. I'm sorry, but like this was the first one of the other. He so should I'm... win one every year just for being alive. The, the Meryl <laughs> Streep trope. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, that's for another time. Yeah. But Tom Hanks is. I just always think of the Simpsons movie. Will you tussle my hair, Mr. Hanks? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I think you put it pretty well, Lillian, in terms of what how it exists in a vacuum and. Yeah, it's a movie that I can always watch and just be happy. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that really has to do with Tom Hanks's performance. And one of the scenes we kind of uh, glossed over, but it is one of the best ones of his acting wise, is that first night he's alone, where he's in the hotel. Oh, oh yeah. and he starts crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My favorite scene of his acting wise in this movie is when they're in FAO Schwartz and he's playing laser tag with this random kid and he gets shot and just starts seizing on the floor. It's just like so on point. So on point. And I mean, we can't understate or overstate the brilliance of the the scene with Elizabeth Perkins where she takes her top off and turns off the light and he turns it back it on. Turns back right, on. Yeah. right. Like, it just nails it because, yeah. of course, <laughs> a 13-year-old would do that. But yeah. not that, the next morning when he's going <laughs> oh, to yes, yes. high-five. And My man. Yeah. <laughs> and the happenstantial black male man that just <laughs> high-fives him. <laughs> so good. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's a classic in every sense of the word. Like, it's, it's one of those movies where... I feel like um, amongst my peers, if you would bring up the movie, it would only bring like good memories and like, oh yeah, a great movie from my childhood. And even though it it you can easily ast- attach stigmas to it, it that's that wasn't its purpose, you know. The main thing with that is at no point does it undervalue or undersell the levity of situation. Oh, absolutely. Like and, you you leave that movie feeling like very weighted with emotion, but like in a very um enlightening and motivational way, I guess. Like it's it's less about the like sexual interactions between those two characters and more about like you know, developing um developing like what happens between innocence of childhood and you know, realism of adulthood. It's a very gray area, and I feel like it makes it extremely accessible and understandable for everybody. But I think that also, I just remember watching it as a kid, I didn't want him to go back to being a kid. Mm. Really? Yeah. I I was, like, always just praying for it. No, I wanted him to to just succeed. I wanted him to completely trounce John Hurd. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember being annoyed that that John Hurd kind of, like, gets the last word. Mm -hmm. I've already forgotten his character's name. (laughs) Paul Paul Davenport. Davenport. (laughs) Uh, But that also speaks to the the movie's uh, success. Because as a younger person, you were wanting that. Right. And as an adult, I'm yeah. like, oh, no, I get it. Yeah. You need, you oh, need to yeah. grow. Maybe the movie need, knows better. Yeah, you need to go through the journey, kid. And... Yeah, and that's the thing where uh, I, I like 13 going on 30, but it's one of those things of 
it uses the time travel aspect to kind of lessen the blow of a lot of it. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, I I just watched Thirteen Going Thirty earlier this year, I and seen uh, it. it's I I'd always not cared because I was like I already watched Big and this is just a female Big and just <laughs> cut to it. It's but not. It's not. But I mean, it doesn't even come close no, to being. It doesn't sniff big, the surface r- of Big. Right. Right. And. Uh, they, they actually have uh, Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo kiss, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's as far as it goes, right? Uh, they're like on a beach or something, and yeah. they're they're lying down and they kiss, and then as far as we can tell, that's that's how far it goes. Also, that movie it, implies that like Jennifer Garner turning Mark Ruffalo down when they were thirteen led him to a life of alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you had me at Mark Ruffalo, but now I'm he's, not sure. He's always good. Yeah. I love he's, him. He's always good. Uh, but I was that was my main... I, I was really curious about how they were going to tackle that aspect. So I was like, okay, if you're going to do it from the point of view of of a woman, mm-hmm. then this is the biggest difference. How do you not make it creepy when you have a relationship with an adult? And yeah, you know, she is she's an actual 30-year-old, mm-hmm. but she still has the mind of a child. Yeah. So it should still be creepy. Yeah. And the way they get around to it is yeah. they just don't do it. I mean, they don't have sex. Yeah, it's it like again, that movie tries to bypass some hurdles that, you know, big, they they yeah. want to have their sexual cake and eat it. They, <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I think Covered the gauntlet with big uh, five stars from me. Yeah, a hundred percent. Whatever you need to say. I'll give it four bags of popcorn <laughs> and <stars>. a sprite. <laughs> uh, it's been a long tumultuous journey on our uh, path of female <laughs> filmmakers. Yeah, uh, and for episode number fifty, we're welcoming back a familiar voice to the podcast. No, you keep doing that. Not yet. Why do I keep thinking American <laughs> Hustle is going to be fifty? Because it's so important. What is that rate? It's like a high. Is it a high rating? It's like ninety four percent. Oh, fuck off! American God. Hustle. I keep thinking it's a gray area. No, no gray no. area. It's Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas, which you lent me two years ago, and I yes. still haven't watched. Okay, so by, by complete uh, the opposite. Uh, uh, the true, Tom, true, the true, true. Yes. Mm. You, so you have seen it? No, oh. I've just seen the bit of Rick and Morty where yeah. they make fun of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, here with Big, we have. We were talking about it earlier. We have three copies of it in this house. Apparently, the one I brought, the one you owned, and then a VHS copy That's somewhere. somewhere. Wait, do you like Cloud Atlas? Oh, I love Cloud Atlas. Oh, it's great. Okay. Uh, if you're here when we watch it next time, you should stick around that's gonna be a day yeah. offer because oh yeah yeah like you need to hours. set three hours aside yeah. oh damn okay um but it's like we're doing back-to-back hanks so episode 51 yes we'll return a familiar voice to the podcast with uh american hustle which apparently somehow <laughs> is high ranked Ugh. yeah uh i roll but uh in concluding path of the film Path of the Female Filmmakers, I do thank all of our guests that we've had. Lillian, I thank you for being on here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And this, of uh, this, of course, is where we open it up for plugs. Do you have anything that you would like to plug? Any cool movies or shows that you watched recently? Hmm. Um, well, I got to plug Lefty. He's a local DJ. Um, my boyfriend, Marcus. And... Not sure when y'all are posting this, but he always has upcoming shows. So look him up. On... Does he have like a website? Or... He has a SoundCloud and an Instagram. His Instagram is DJ Lefty ATX. 
Um, you can look them up on SoundCloud. Just search Lefty eight hundred eight K. Yeah, check and I can them out. link to that on the on the episode notes too. Yeah, so. that would be awesome. Awesome. Uh, I just I love that you you started with his like his artist name. <laughs> <laughs> his <laughs> artist name. Yeah. His yes, his his real name is Marcus. But yeah, check him out. Is he a lefty? He is a lefty. He he is. He spins with the with he, the left hand. He, exactly. <laughs> Alex Mattis, do you have a plug? I don't believe so this week. All right, that's cool. I'll take your plug then, and I'll take okay. two. So I'll have two. Uh, one is speaking of musicians, uh, and I mentioned this on the last episode. The Festive Years have a new album. Yes. And they had a, an album release party. And I was a total old man, and I fell asleep. I didn't get to make it <laughs> to the party. It sucks, too, because it was going to be free beer and everything. But uh, but the album is out, so I'm going to link to it. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was – that's so bad. Uh, my friend Drew came – the party was Saturday night. My friend Drew came to celebrate his birthday on Friday night. Uh, we drank. We partied. And at some point, he asked me, he's like – so do you ever get, now that you know we're older, do you ever get that feeling when like people tell you, hey, let's go hang out, and you're just like, ah, I want to get in. Yeah, I just want to stay yeah. in. And I say, yeah, sometimes, but, you know, I usually, by now my friends have also aged, so <laughs> it, right. it doesn't happen very often. And then the next thing that happens is on Saturday, I'm just so tired that I fell asleep and I didn't go to this thing. Right. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure it was a lot of fun. I've seen pictures. look great. Uh, the other thing is one our, of our guests, our past guest, Kinsey Jones, uh, her and her boyfriend Jordan made a short film, so I'm gonna link to it. It's called Poultry. It's on uh, YouTube. It's just like four minutes, I think. And uh, okay. I watch it. It's, it's just fun. Uh, so I'm gonna link to that. Uh, there is chicken involved, so okay. Hence the name. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I can't. It's four minutes. I can't spoil it okay, for you. Okay, gotcha. you know? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, with all that being said, uh, we do appreciate Lillian you being on, all our female guests for this story arc we've done. We will be back for Cloud Atlas with episode number 50. Uh, we, Jesus, 50 episodes. 50 episodes. Um, the landmark. Uh, but as always, we will continue to be right. We'll continue to be wrong. This is The Contrarians, and we do thank you for listening. And it didn't go gat, gat, gat. <laughs> <laughs> car i'll grab the keys let's go make this summer one that's full of memories you won't regret it i know a place outside of town i think you'll really love it at night when no one is around we'll drive into the sunset promise me you won't forget that summer of testing for real talk See, I'm getting a good reverb from back at this point. You don't have to. If you want to kiss me, you can. But <laughs> well, I'm not. Who do you think I am? Testing. <laughs> test, test, test. Testing. I was going. To, I was trying to think of anything to plug, but it'll all be outdated by the time this gets posted. Yeah. So. You haven't watched anything good, Alex, besides Big. No, I've watched a lot of good things, but nothing deemed worthy of the Alex Mattis seal of approval. Um. No. Sucks to be you, man. Don't worry. <laughs> Justice League opens this weekend. Oh, and... God. <laughs> I'll, uh, I have Friday off. I can, I can take you. <laughs> uh, no. 
Happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners. This will be after. Oh, this is after Thanksgiving. I'll just go fuck myself then. <laughs>